1: And welcome to PR Insider with your host Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by www.us.cision.com, whose world-famous Bacon's Media Database is updated more than 10,000 times per day. Take your PR to the next level. Now, here's your host, Maureen Kettis.
2: Welcome to PR Insider. As the man said, I am your host, Maureen Kettis, and we are on Voice America Radio Network's Business Channel. And um, our listenership is up. I just want to thank my listeners, and I want to thank our sponsor, Cision. Visit them at www.cision.com. And back. ...by popular demand... Oh, right. ...actually, I couldn't stand it because it was such a cool show... ...is Mr. Tim O'Brien, and he is the VP of Publishing and Communications for Ripley Entertainment. He is the PR guru to the freaks and weirdos at Ripley's. Welcome back, Tim.
3: Thanks a lot, Maureen.
2: (laughs) As a national corporate spokesperson for Ripley, Tim has gotten to know up close and personal... ...many of the world's unique pieces of weirdness, including shrunken heads from the Javaro Indian tribe of Ecuador... Uh, vampire killing kits from Eastern Europe, two-headed cows, chickens, pigs, and goats from America's farmlands to the world's largest hairball. So you have had such a life. And I was so fascinated. I just listened back to our first show. And um, I just, I'm just always stunned and amazed. So, of course, the first thing I want to talk about today is what everyone is talking about, the passing of Michael Jackson.
3: Yeah, if, what, what happened? <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> Did he die? Yeah, like we um, haven't no, heard of yeah, it. Right? I mean the guy, thugs. you know, it's
2: again you know, these uh people mixing their own concoctions and self medicating and um can be very dangerous. That's the lesson to be learned. However, what is um what does Ripley's do with I mean, with this kind of thing, I'm sure you have a lot of memorabilia. Um, how do you handle um you know, something like this, a, a big media event and how do you work, make it work for yourself without looking like opportunists? That's
3: you, you nailed it right there. That's a big question that we're asking ourselves today. You know, how far can we go without crossing the line? Uh, we've got um, some amazing stuff in Hollywood. We've got Ed our Ripley's Museum. We've got his uh, the fedora that he wore in the Thriller video. Mm-hmm. And then uh, right next door, we own the uh, Guinness World Record Museum, and we've got uh, a nice big display of a lot of his golden records and one of his jackets and stuff there. Then in our Gatlinburg Museum, uh, we've got a bunch of stuff. So at what point do we say, hey, we can't put out a release telling people, come and see a part of Michael Jackson? Uh, so that, that's a great, uh, great question at this point. Uh, so what we're doing, instead of actually reaching out to the masses by putting out a release, We're just calling a lot of the uh, local media and saying, hey, we've got this collection and if you want to do a local angle, you might want to do a stand-up at one of our museums in front of some of this and uh,
2: Ah. talk about your local
3: connection with Michael.
2: Now, you said that your franchisees, you sort of help them with templates and and branding um, and you you have sort of a style catalog that you work from, but... But, you, but they are responsible for their own PR and the stuff, the, the memorabilia of Michael Jackson seems to be throughout the country and the world. So how do you, are you going to try to compile it or are they going to be sending out the releases to the local media? How are you going to handle it? Do you know? Kind of right. soon. I mean, it just happened last night.
3: Right now, we, we have a good idea of what museums have uh, which items mm-hmm. because it all comes out of our main office mm-hmm. and our main warehouse. And we know who's got what, and we know that four of them who have information have already contacted me today. Okay. So we're, we're in a situation where, yes, our local franchisees as well as our local corporate uh, shops and museums mm-hmm. do their own PR. That's not the, the, the thing that's on the top of their mind because they don't have PR directors. They don't have PR people. It's usually the manager. And you know we're in the middle of the summer season, so they don't really have a whole lot of time. Right. That's when I usually chip in and offer my advice and any help that any of any of them need. Right. And so on this uh, on the Michael Jackson thing, we're um, you know we're kind of hesitant, but yet it's it's a great opportunity for us to put our brand out there and say, hey, this is an icon of pop,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and we're an icon brand and we've got some of Michael Jackson here.
2: Come now, on. you have all every single item that that Ripley's owns, obviously computerized and cataloged, right? We do. And, and when somebody passes like that, I would imagine his fedora just went up in value. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you can't buy it, Murray.
2: Right? So darn it, I wanted to wear it tonight. But um is is it you know, do you have to deal with your insurance companies on something like that or is it just I, mean, I don't know. No: I
3: honestly don't know that's, uh Oh, you
2: don't know. <laughs> that's, a,
3: that, that's, a, that's a part of uh, luckily, they haven't gotten me involved in that yet, right. uh, but that, that would strictly be uh, from our collection.
2: right: collect- well, I mean, it seems to me, I mean here's a million dollar idea, but um, remembering Michael Jackson and g- gather all this stuff and, and do a, a you know special tour of his, um, of his items going around to your different uh, major Ripley's stores during the summer season.
3: That's a, that's a, that's a great, uh, great idea, and that that's something that we've uh, only done once. Uh-huh. And uh, in the past, we've done the fertility statues, and that's what uh, we have. Uh, well, in our Hollywood, they just left, but we are sending them from one of our museums to another to another, and they're on their way to London.
2: Right now, the last time you told me that when you had them um, outside the 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 the, uh, the stores that. Women in your staff are really getting pregnant a lot, including your FedEx delivery woman <laughs> good memory <laughs> but um is that <laughs> are we going to have some paternity testing going on no so the so you know in terms of the fertility i, I know there was a funny story with this um, octo mom who seems to have um, fallen off the media radar finally but um how did how did what did you do to tie in that story to your fertility statues? Tell our listeners, because that was a funny story.
3: Ripley's world-famous fertility statues uh, are known to have helped at least 2,000 women become pregnant. We have substantiation from at least 2,000. And since they've gone back on tour to the various museums starting last August in New York City, Mm -hmm. we have about another 10 or 15 women who have said that they've become pregnant shortly after touching these statues, Ah. and most of the women who do go out and touch our statues are the ones that have been having problems in some way, and they are on uh, infertility drugs and so forth, so these women are somewhat desperate or somewhat anxious, and touching the statues is really a, a, a major part of their life. I mean, I've seen women cry in front of the statues oh. and just sit come get down on their knees and pray in front of the statues and it's a very Aww. it's a very difficult thing for a man to understand.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh you know, I think I do after talking to these women and they they call me and they write me and ask me what they can do to touch the statues. What is the best way to touch the
2: statues?
3: And then I usually hear their like,
2: oh, yeah. laughter. Um Sorry, I don't
3: mean to make a joke. Um, right. uh, and so that's one thing that we've been real careful of, to take take the people serious. You know, we, we, don't, we don't promise anything, and we don't say these statues are miracle workers. We're just saying that something obviously is working, so let's, let's don't stop it. Right. Well, when they were in Hollywood, uh, we had them in uh, – we moved them in at the beginning of May, and they ran through mid-June. And at the beginning of May, the end of April, uh, the Octomom was still very, very much in the news. Mm-hmm. So we thought it would be cute, and I ended up getting a whole lot of media out of this. I put out a general press release asking the Octomom to stay away from our fertility statue, <laughs> telling her. What
2: was the headline? Octomom, stay away, or?
3: We invited her, but we said, "Please do not touch the statue." <laughs> And if you do want to come to Ripley's, but are afraid that you might be inclined to touch the statues, well, wait until mid-June, and we'll bring you and your family in, and you, we'll, we'll give you a free tour without the problem of the statues being in your way.
2: So, what kind of pickups did you get? What kind of um, media pickup did you get on that story? That's
3: TMZ picked us up, <laughs> and they picked us up right away. They, uh, uh, in fact, our manager in Hollywood has some connections at TMZ and she passed the note on to uh-huh. them, and they immediately got back. Of course, asked for an exclusivity, uh, and the next day they they came out with a little um, slideshow of our fertility statues, and they wrote a very interesting uh, story, as only TMZ could, right. and really gave us a lot of publicity, and then Howard Stern ended up Uh, Evidently, he's a big fan of TMZ, and he follows them and found out, and he started talking about it on his show the the following morning. And before we knew it, it was very viral. It was all over the Internet. Uh, It was one of those things that we took advantage of at current event, and with the help of TMZ, boom. (laughs) And that was fun. It was quirky. It was silly. And it garnered us a lot of publicity in the end.
2: Right, and I think you know that, that whole Octomom thing. I think people—I mean, the, the journalist—you got the feeling that they were just even embarrassed to be reporting on it, but the story had just taken on a life of its own. It really had. But does that translate into, um, you know, how does that work? How does that work to your advantage? Does it translate into more sales, or do you do you get sort of kudos from the company because you get a lot of hits, or you know, how does it how does it help you when you get that kind of um, media feedback?
3: That's a proverbial question.
2: Like, <laughs> I know, you I sounded
3: remember. like my boss when you were asking me that. Uh, that's always so hard to substantiate. And as, as you know, it's really difficult uh, unless there's a, uh, some way to connect it right back. Luckily, what I am mostly involved in in doing things like that is brand awareness. Mm-hmm. And we want to keep our brand out there. We want to keep our brand quirky.
2: Yeah, and current. I mean, I think it's super important that we don't, because it's such an old company that you don't want people to think it's just sort of nostalgic and something from before. Whereas if you do the Michael Jackson things that are happening now and the Octomom and all that, you stay very current and hip.
3: We've got to. We've got to because we have a whole new generation of Ripleyites out there uh, since Dean Cain, who was hip in himself as Superman and so forth, when he did his, uh, uh, his Ripley's Believe It or Not show from 2000 to 2003. 88 one-hour shows. I
2: want to talk about that when we come back from the break. I also want to talk about how teenagers now are different from teenagers of yesterday. So we're going to take a break. This is your host, Maureen Kettis. We've been talking with Tim O'Brien, VP of Publishing and Communications from Ripley Entertainment. And I'm going to get some free tickets for this summer. I'm so excited. (laughs) We'll We'll be back after a word from our sponsor.
4: Stay at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Vasily, radio to thrive by. Cision's communication intelligence allows organizations to tell their story effectively. Whether they're speaking to TV networks or social networks, the company's Point web platform integrates the world-class Bacon's media database with global media monitoring and analysis services. It gives communications professionals the tools they need to optimize their performance and build corporate and brand reputation. Find us on the web at www.us.cision.com. That's us.cision.com.
1: show.
2: Welcome back to PR Insider. Visit our uh, host's website. It's us.cision.com. Thanks for tuning in. And we do take emailed questions, so go ahead and email them in. And if I get a good one, I may just get you a pair of tickets to Ripley's. Welcome back to our guest, Tim O'Brien, the VP of Publishing and Communications of Ripley Entertainment. Welcome back.
3: Uh, thank you.
2: Um, so we were talking about I wanted to talk about your TV show and your radio show that was, that's on the website, um, but um, before we talk about that, I want to talk about the difference between teenagers now and teenagers of yesteryear and how you attract them to your sites and what they're expecting. Has the bar been raised and, and how do you handle that from a corporate standpoint?
3: I think it all stems down to a couple words, and one of those words is curiosity, and the other one is jaded. (laughs) And we're all jaded compared to what we were all 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Things that really raised a hair on the back of our necks at that particular point probably don't even warrant any attention from us at all, as you know, in today's world. And that even goes back. 60, 80, 90 years ago when Ripley started all this, how different it is. In 1933, for example, that was when Ripley showed his first grouping of oddities. Mm-hmm. He was at the Chicago World's Fair, and he had this big tent, and it was called Ripley's odd Atorium, O-D-D, Atorium. And the first part of the tent, he showed and displayed all of his collections, the shrunken heads, uh, the two-headed cows, and so forth then in the back of the tent, uh, as people were leaving, was a 10-in-1 sideshow, which meant there were 10 different acts. There was a sword swallower, a fire eater, et cetera, et cetera. And at that particular point of time, people were not aware of most of this. Mm -hmm. And if they were aware of it, they might have just read about it. They probably hadn't seen it because of no TV, no photography in magazines or newspapers or whatever. And the uh, exhibition officials Made Ripley put cots and have nurses on duty in each of the tents because people were passing out from watching this stuff. And most of the stuff that we, we know that he had in his tent wouldn't even fly today. Kids wouldn't even look at it because it would be, it's so passe. Right. And that, that can also be seen in the uh, Jack Palance shows that he had a Ripley's, believe it or not, he and his daughter Holly Mm -hmm. from 80 to 83. 20 years later, Dean Cain had it. And just the approach and how our objects of odd were displayed in both of those shows and were presented in both of those shows is amazing. And I think the big thing today that differs from these teenagers of 20 years ago or 40 years ago uh, is the Internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, is the availability of all of
2: this stuff
3: you, you google shrunken head and you'll get more pictures of a shrunken head than we have in our collection right so the kids of today are jaded because they see this stuff constantly and if if they want to see it it's there if they don't want to see it it's not there
2: how do you so how do you um, keep cool how do you get their interest how do you find stuff that's how do you keep raising the bar, or is it not raising the bar? Is it sort of remanipulating the message?
3: That, I think the re-manipulation of the message is also uh, important, but we're going back to our roots more. We are presenting the odd stuff now much more than we were, you know, 15 years ago. We kind of got away from our core message in the mid 80s when we started adding other attractions other than Believe It or Not. Mm-hmm. And then in the early 90s, uh, when Bob Masterson, who was our president at that time, decided to look outside of the odd for other attractions where we as an entertainment company could reach out to, because we weren't in the presentation of the odd business, we were basically in the presentation of selling a ticket for a family to enjoy a short amount of time, enjoying themselves doing something. So that's the way we kind of looked at it. So the we kind of lost a little focus on believe it or not at that time. Mm-hmm. And also the family value thing of the, the 90s and the early 2000s, uh, the family togetherness and all. We were very hesitant about trying to throw all of the very ob- obscure oddities out into the public. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but in the last five to six years, we've kind of come around again saying, you know, we built our Reputation on the odd and unusual, and so an the amazing
2: collection is really what. Yeah,
3: and the collections absolutely, mm-hmm. and so we're now looking at families uh, enjoying the odd together, and that's the way we're kind of presenting things. So we're going back to the uh, unusual, mm-hmm. albeit non-mainstream type of exhibits, uh, and. Some of them are more um, corny than others. Some are more quirky than others. And we, we, we catch ourselves a lot of times going to irony more than we do unbelievability. unbelievability. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we have to watch ourselves on that a lot, too. But in, in general, the way we attract kids today is the same way that Ripley did back in the 30s and 40s, and that's in presentation. Mm-hmm. Our books today are very are very hip, are very contemporary. They're oversized, coffee table-sized books, full-color photographs, and we have very interesting lenticular covers. And lenticular covers uh, allow us to create a 3D holographic effect without glasses. Right. So you look at the... Uh, book cover and you see an eye winking and closing at you or electricity shooting out of somebody's body or something like that. And those those are the kind of things uh, that we're uh, going after today. We're trying to be very contemporary, being very interactive has always been a good thing because kids and families now are doing so so much passive stuff at home in front of the television set. Uh, we, we're giving them an opportunity to do something when they leave home that they can't do at home. Right. And that's to interact with the truly odd.
2: <laughs> now, you have a new book coming out, don't you? Speaking we do. Can you tell us in about
3: that? August 4th, mm-hmm. we're coming. In fact, I just got my copy yesterday. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's called Seeing mm-hmm. is Believing.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, again, it's another coffee table-sized book, 256 pages, mm-hmm. 2,500, believe it or not, in it. Mm-hmm. And the thing that sets those apart are, is the photography. We come up with some amazing photography, and that's what I do first. I go through and look at the pictures.
2: <laughs> oh, how fun! <laughs>
3: yeah, and what's what's real fun, and I'm looking forward to it because I travel next week, uh, is to take it along on the airplanes with me. And, then and as people I'm sitting trying to there, pretend
2: that they're not looking over your shoulder. Yes. <laughs>
3: And they are, you know. I, of
2: course, I, I'm a
3: flight attendant. You know, I get more free beers that way. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I tell the
2: boss. Well, give they, us an they, example uh, of a couple of things it. that stand out in your mind on that book, on the new "Seeing Is Believing" book.
3: Yes. Well, right now uh, I, I am only like ten pages into it. But what we've done this year is we have made more lists. We have taken. Uh, old stuff as well as new stuff. And we go back, we, there's a big, we, the first time ever we have a fold-out. And the whole fold-out is a, a center spread on the Varnum and Bailey Circus mm-hmm. and their, odd, their oddities mm. and so forth. But w- the thing that I really like about it are our list, And, for example, right inside for our strange but true chapter, uh, we call Well Overdue and there's a list how eccentric there's a list and you know like library book 288 288 years overdue letter delivered 286 years later a watch returned after 90 years uh class ring returned 53 years later uh stolen bird's egg returned after 43 years <laughs> So it's things like that, I think, just real quick reads, uh-huh. and again, the photography stands out. We've got, uh, um, there's an artist that's uh, that's really cool. She's Canadian, and her name is Amy Nugent, and she, we have a great picture of her holding this huge ball that she made out of 30,000 porcupine quills from porcupine quills that she picked up from roadkill along the roads oh near our gosh. house, <laughs>
2: people have a lot of spare time.
3: <laughs> yes, uh, you know, and it's in and, and it's also in our book here. We acquired late last year a one-tenth model, uh, uh, a beautiful model of the Spaceship Columbia, mm-hmm. and it's made out of wooden matches.
2: Oh, my gosh.
3: It's 13 feet long uh-huh. and about four foot tall, and the wheels turn. You can look in the windows and see the little instruments uh, that work. The, the big uh, payload uh, door in the back opens with a crane coming out. All this, and even the hinges are made out of wooden toothpicks.
2: Oh, my gosh. And but it's the pick- kind of thing, again, seeing is believing. You have to see it, right?
3: <laughs> yeah. It's 600,000 wooden toothpicks. Oh. I'm sorry, not toothpicks,
4: matchsticks.
2: Somebody's got a lot of time, like I said. Well, we're going to have, speaking of time, we're running out of time for this segment, and we're going to take a little break. But um, when we come back, I want to talk about you... Um, the Obamas and how you can sort of bring them in. Okay. And they're so popular. And um, also this Wall Street Journal front page article that you got. Yeah. So uh, this is your host, Maureen Kettis. We'll be back in a few minutes with uh, Mr. Tim O'Brien, the VP of Publishing and Communications for Ripley's Entertainment.
4: communication intelligence allows organizations to tell their story effectively whether they're speaking to TV networks or social networks the company's Scission Point web platform integrates the world-class Bacon's Media Database with global media monitoring and analysis services it gives communications professionals the tools they need to optimize their performance and build corporate and brand reputation find us on the web at www.us.cision.com. that's us.c I S I O N dot com
1: Show.
2: Welcome back again. This is your host, Maureen Kettis, and we've been talking with Tim O'Brien, who is the VP of Publishing and Communications for Ripley Entertainment. He's responsible for coordinating the publicity and promotion of the company's 50-some attractions throughout the world. Is that correct?
3: Uh, we're over 70 now.
2: Oh, Wow. He serves as the corporate national spokesperson, and he uh, shares the Ripley product with the public through numerous TV and radio appearances, like ours today. Welcome back, Tim. Thank you.
3: Thank 70 you. Seventy
2: attractions. Oh my! Yeah, Lord. we have. In
3: fact, we have seventy-four businesses now. They're not. Uh, they're not all attractions, but uh, we have like the lodge up in Niagara Falls. Inside of that lodge, we have two or three other areas of business, including an Obita, uh salon and spa. And uh, so we we, we we run a lot of business.
2: Wait, I want to get my facial next to the shrunken head lady? I don't get it. <laughs> now, <laughs> Explain to me that brand transition.
3: <laughs> that, you nailed it on the head. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> uh, yes. One of my biggest issues in promoting our brand is that our brand is so diversified. Mm. And you and your listeners as PR uh, professionals uh, understand that, I am sure, because on one hand, we have the shrunken heads and two-headed cows. And on the other end, we have two world-class aquariums, which are in the top ten most attended aquariums in North America. Whoa. We own this huge lodge, Indoor Water Park Lodge, up in uh, Niagara Falls, Canada. Canada, that 406 rooms, it's beautiful, it's family, it's very contemporary, it's, very, it's a very well-run business. So with that on one hand, the shrunken heads on the other, and a huge credibility gap in the middle.
2: <laughs>
3: that, that, uh, so, you know, you tell people that aren't, aren't familiar with the fact that Ripley Entertainment Corporation, which is an entertainment business, has aquariums. And the first thing they said, what do you have, four-headed fish?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: and so th- that is one thing that I find both exhilarating and a lot of fun, but also very, very much in the forefront in promoting the brand because we are so diversified.
2: Right, it's challenging. Well, I could see how the aquarium sort of, its you know, things that are visual that you want to see, but the spa is a is a stretch. Yeah, but it's working and for some And
3: reason. it's working. It's, uh, it's, like I say, it's a Huge investment that we made, uh, built it from scratch, Northwoods Lodge with a 100,000-square-foot indoor water park attached to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have 13 slides. We have a huge wave pool. Oh, my gosh. Rivers. Uh, so it's, it's huge inside. Uh-huh. And, you know, you look out, and we have an outside uh, spa, uh-huh. hot tub that you get in in the water inside. You go out. And, you know, you're sitting there in the wintertime, it's snowing, you're in Niagara Falls, Canada, for heaven's sakes. Uh-huh. You can look down and you can see the big horseshoe bend of the river just down from the falls.
2: Right. And
3: it's, really, it's really well done. Our manager up there is an amazing guy. and He has done wonders for it. And the, uh, the whole concept of going to a water park and playing where it's 84 degrees inside at all times, while you might be having a blizzard outside,
2: kind of fun. Yeah, I want to go.
3: <laughs> so do I.
2: You're making me want to go. But so,
3: um, last time we I went to Niagara Falls, we were so busy that I had to stay in the Days Inn down the street <laughs> oh, because we didn't have our lodge for me.
2: <laughs> no, it sounds amazing. It sounds like a perfect, you know, because you want your kids to see this natural wonder, but then what do you do with them? You can't take a romantic boat ride with your children. You know, you need to do something fun for them.
3: Absolutely, and Niagara Falls, again, has been aiming at the adult tourist, the adult traveler, because mm-hmm. of their casinos and the gambling that's going on up there, that family attractions had kind of been pushed off to the side a little bit.
2: Uh-huh. Nothing
3: new had been developed. And when we, the lodge is just three years old, and when we opened it three years ago, we were the, the first major family attraction being built in Niagara Falls for quite a
2: while. Wow. Nice, nice. Yeah, I was there not that long ago. Could have used a little upgrade. The whole area, you know. Yeah, and six years ago.
3: And yeah. inside, we have this, uh, like I said, an Aveda Salon and Spa. We have a Scoops Kids La- uh, Spa, and uh, you know, for little girls. And we have the mom and daughter uh, uh, packages that can come and do the spa together.
0: Oh We have, you know, we
3: have. Uh, Four restu- three restaurants inside. Plus, we have this huge gift shop, and it's really, it's really a cool place.
2: Nice. So, tell me, how did you? Um, what have you done with um, the whole Obama craze? Have you worked that into your business plan? We did.
3: We, did. Uh, we commissioned in January. We commissioned uh, an artist in Ohio called Franz Spawn. Uh, he had worked for us in the past, but we commissioned a portrait to be created of President Obama out of
2: gumballs. (laughs) I saw that on your website, I thought. Uh,
3: It was great. 12,700 and some uh, gumballs were put in these long tubes, and there's 90 tubes. Mm -hmm. And he got uh, at a Martin Luther King Center in Ravenna, Ohio. He, on the 19th of January, which was Martin Luther King Day and the day before inauguration, he had all these kids come out and he had little maps drawn for each of the 90 tubes. And the, the tubes were just round enough for the gumball to fit into. Mm-hmm. And, so, and there was only eight color gumballs. And each one of them, each bucket had a number on it. And so each, each group of kids, one would hold the tube while the other one would look at the um, map and say, okay, number three number one, number seven, number eight, and they went through, and each kid, team of kids would fill a tube. And we had 90 tubes, and then when it was all done, they slid all 90 tubes together, and voila, <laughs> there's President Obama.
2: Oh, my gosh. And,
3: uh, so we, we got it. It is now on display in our New York City office, or, uh, museum, and you don't have to even pay to get in. You, you can just walk into the lobby and look at it from a distance. And that's better to see it from a distance anyway, because of the uh,
2: right. It's like pointillism in art, you know. Yeah. Uh
3: huh. And so it was. It's it's amazing. It is beautiful, and it's so unusual. And we got a lot of. Pre- we were even put on the uh, Obama's official inauguration page on inauguration day. Oh. But that was released the day before, so we put pictures out that night, and somebody there picked it up and used it as part of their uh, their art gallery display portraits.
2: Oh my gosh. Which
3: was fun. (laughs) And then we have, um, in in our museums, in our wax museums, our Louis Tussauds Wax Museums, we have halls of presidents, which all the presidents in wax, and uh, they're really cool gallery setting. Mm -hmm. And we came up with an amazing wax figure. Um, Our own wax artist came up with it. And it was uh, unveiled, it in the, of February, it was that we missed the uh, President's Day and the inauguration, but it is one of the best likenesses, wax likenesses I've ever seen. You, you don't have to read the tag to see who it is, like you do right. on a lot of wax exhibits. I mean, that's a, and then uh, from the same mold, we just unveiled one in our San Antonio museum as well in their Hall of Presidents. Wow! So we're uh, you know we we try to stay current. Yeah, sure.
2: And people like to get those photo ops too.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, the Wall Street Journal ran a front page article do you want to tell us about that
3: yes and that's really really a neat article we have been expanding tremendously over the last four years we've opened five major believe it or not museums plus several wax museums and other types of businesses and we have four more museums to open within the next 10 to 12 months Mm -hmm. and in doing so by opening all these new museums, each with four or five, six hundred different exhibits, we were running a bit low on some of our exhibits. Our A exhibits, what mm-hmm. we call the A exhibits, being like the space shuttle, like being the uh, Obama gumball, and these these are the big, big, powerful exhibits that people are going to talk about when they leave our
2: museums. Mm-hmm.
3: And we found that we were becoming a little short of them. I mean. No way near where where our cupboards bare, but we we were thinking, hey, you know, we, we don't have a lot of these to choose from now. We need to get some more a exhibits, and that's what the story was about—the um, fact that we're running low on
1: oddities—and
3: it, it, it hit front page Wall Street Journal on the sixteenth of
2: this month. Oh, was that the the fourth column uh-huh. right about business? So how are was that a problem? That article because it sounds like it might be a negative. How did you turn it into a positive? It has
3: been negative on some blogs, but what has happened is that virtually everybody reads the Wall Street Journal, it seems. I am amazed at their readership. People who I I didn't know could read commented on the story to (laughs) me. The the fun thing about this is that we have museums throughout the country, as you know, Uh and a lot of the local people, a lot of the local reporters read that, and all of a sudden, said, "Hey, these guys are legit. You know, we've been around ninety years, but a story in a Wall Street Journal makes you very legit." That's
2: funny. And a lot of the
3: local newspapers contacted our local museums and did a local angle. Wow! Which, which was wonderful, and we've been picked up, of course, very virally. Um, we're picked up by I don't know how many hundreds of blogs. You know, you just you just find we're finding them everywhere. So. This Wall Street Journal really got us a lot of extra publicity as if a story in The Wall Street Journal didn't didn't already list right up at the very top of our of our year right uh, but the the aftermath of it is still going and Edward Meyer, our VP of archives and who does all of our acquisitions for us, by noon that day had something like a dozen phone calls from people <laughs> and the Wall Street Journal reporter called me and said can we can we put up like a uh, some sort of an email or phone number for people because we're getting a lot of requests of how to find you guys?
2: Oh, how funny Well, it's not and, hard, you're right on the internet, I mean
3: <laughs> yeah and so we right now i I don't know if we've made any acquisitions or not, but Edward said that we're no longer short of eight exhibits.
2: Oh, how so. funny the stuff starts coming in because of the article. I love it. Yeah. all right, well we're going to have to stop and take another break, our last break of the of the show, and we'll be right back um after a word from our sponsor with Mr. Kim O'Brien of Ripley's Entertainment I cannot get enough of this stuff
1: vertex communications a public relations firm is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product vertex communications helping you communicate to the vertex contact vertex communications at vertexpr.com to get an honest straightforward assessment of your pr profile and a plan that will work for you not against you that's vertexp com.
4: communicate to the Vertex.
1: and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sanjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business.
4: Cision's communication intelligence allows organizations to tell their story effectively. Whether they're speaking to TV networks or social networks, the company's Cision Point web platform integrates the world-class Bacon's Media Database with global media monitoring and analysis services. It gives communications professionals the tools they need to optimize their performance and build corporate and brand reputation. Find us on the web at www.us.cision.com. That's us.cision.com
1: Show.
2: Welcome back again to PR Insider. We are sponsored by Cision. I'm on with Tim O'Brien of Ripley's. If you missed any of our show, you can go to prinsider.biz or voiceamerica.com forward slash business and uh, search under my name and you can find PR Insider and uh, look for Tim O'Brien Ripley's, believe it or not. and You could, might also want to listen to uh, the old show and this show back-to-back because it's pretty cool stuff. Welcome back, Tim. Thank you. So, what? Let's, you know, in this last segment, I want to talk about sort of the future. You're now in your ninetieth year. The future of Ripley's and what you are planning to do with this. I mean, it just amaze. It just fascinates me when you have a a brand as old as your yours and you keep it current. It's just to me just an amazing feat. Um, so, what is the future holding, and what do we have to look forward to?
3: Our future is very rosy.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: you wouldn't expect me to say anything else, would you? <laughs>
2: Well, I know you have a publishing, you're expanding your stores, you've got a TV show, you've got a movie, so tell us about some of those things.
3: Yeah, we're uh, we're expanding. Like I said, this, we, we're opening more museums within the next to 10, to, 10 to 12 months. We're uh-huh. opening Australia in wow. paradise. We're opening Veracruz, Mexico. We're opening Jeju Island, Korea, and in Bahrain. So those all four are... Uh, on the drawing boards, construction has begun. Collections uh, for their exhibits have already begun. Then, along the same lines, we're opening up another wax museum, and we're opening two or three new mirror mazes. And things are things are are really pushing at us from that standpoint.
2: Wow! How does Ripley's pick its locations for a new a new site?
3: That that's something that they do very well, and I've always been amazed at the process that goes through it. And you're looking for traffic. You're looking for destination market, which we if you look at our list, every one of our attractions is in a destination
2: market, uh-huh.
3: a large destination market. Because we know that the strength of Ripley's is not going to bring people into a market. I mean, people are not going to fly to Orlando to go to our Believe It or Not Museum. People are not going to go to New York to go to our Believe It or Not Museum. But they certainly will take advantage of our museums being in those markets while they're there. Right. So we do. I think we discussed last time about the captive marketing concept that we use, uh, that we wait until people come into a market. So it has to be a large market, and it has to be the type of people that we want to be in our market. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bob Masterson, our uh, president who is now retired, told me that he thought he had found the 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 most amazing location uh, on Bourbon Street in New Orleans,
2: mm-hmm.
3: beautiful corner location, beautiful building, thousands and thousands of people walking by constantly. Well, they opened the door, and nobody came in. You know, for the first couple hours, and then finally, some guy comes in and wanted to know where the bar was. <laughs> and what it, he said that was one of his biggest mistakes because. Yes, destination market, thousands of people
2: wrong demographic
3: absolutely
2: <laughs>
3: so so it's got really to be
2: destination market, and the correct, so it's family destination market
3: family destination market, yeah, where people have time to to have fun and mm-hmm, uh, to mm-hmm. do stuff like that we We are half day attractions where you don't have to commit a lot of money or a lot of time to visit mm-hmm. any of our attractions, and that's the way we really position ourselves nice. So anyway, that's the way we come up with uh, with locations. They've always been, uh, other than a few missteps, always been right on as far as that's concerned. Yep. So we're really excited about the, about the new locations, and we're also uh, looking at a couple new aquariums we have on the drawing board. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to do some announcing here in the next couple months uh, about new new aquarium product and. We also have uh, a new book, as you said, coming out in August. We have another book coming out in January, a new kids series on, uh, on Believe It or Not, which is going to be really kind of cool. Uh, and we're doing a uh, – working on a television show, which hopefully not this fall, but the fall of 2010 will be out. And it's different than a new uh, – let's see, the whole new concept of reality shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a scripted reality show, kind of like Lost. Okay. And it's adventure as opposed to Dean Cain uh, or Jack Palin standing there holding up his shrunken head saying, this is odd. Uh, this is going to be a very adventuresome, a very active, very contemporary approach to the Ripley brand. Neat. And, uh, and when can
2: we, When I know you can't talk too much about it, but when when can we look out for that?
3: I would be hoping that in order to really promote it and sell it, well, we're going to have to make the announcement by the end of this year. Okay. Uh, so, you know, theres I, I never knew there was so much involved in all of this. I just thought you, you made a TV show and put it on the air.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, but there's
3: so much. Uh, it's not even pre-production at this point. It's just... Free everything.
2: I know. I know. That's been an that.
3: interesting concept to follow, too. All the ups and downs on that. Yeah. That's the same thing that we uh, were involved in with our movie.
2: Uh, yeah. Tell us about the movie.
3: Uh, Paramount Pictures has had an option on us, and they created uh, a script, and the script had been rewritten several times, and mm-hmm. now the script appears to have been ready. Uh, Christopher Columbus. And Chris Columbus is going to be the director,
2: mm-hmm. and
3: Jim Carrey will star as Robert Ripley. Ah. and what So it it's, is, a story,
2: it's a biopic?
3: A, well, kind of. Um, I think it's going to be based on realism, but I don't know how. I have not read the script. I have not been privy to it, so I can't tell you exactly what it is, but that it is an Indiana Jones type of an adventure film starring Robert Ripley in Asia during the prime time like probably in the 30s or 40s during the prime time that Ripley really did a lot of traveling nice and we're we're we've got you know we're hoping for that too we've uh, originally i should should already be in the theaters yeah <laughs> uh, when you look back at how long we've been working.
2: oh it takes years but but that and probably Jim Carrey will be too old by the time you go to film. It take <laughs> yeah we we'll have to do
3: Ripley's final final hurrah
2: right he can play Ripley as an old man uh, but uh, wow that's that's really going to be great for the brand
3: oh I it think. is and you know, we were and, and I think as we spoke earlier it's important to stay
2: contemporary right we got a huge
3: surge from 2000 through 2003 when Dean Cain
2: uh-huh.
3: did their most recent TV show, right. we saw a whole new interest surge forward from the youth, the kids, the teenagers.
2: Right, because he was so popular with them.
3: Yeah, and well. just as Jack Palance was back in the 80s. Right. So what happens is when you do get something that's so widely distributed and widely uh, you know, creative, Mm-hmm. you're going to get a lot of new faces. Well, and that's that that's very, very important.
2: Well, it's such great, exciting stuff. I so appreciate you uh, coming back today to share everything with us because I felt like last time we didn't finish. I mean, it was just, I love this stuff. My oh, kids love another, it. <laughs> I've got
3: another couple hours worth of news. <laughs>
2: oh, I know. And I just want to thank you so much. I want to thank Ripley's, and good luck with all the future pro. Uh, pro products and um, ideas. And I want to thank our sponsors, CISION. Visit them at us.cision.com.
3: And we use CISION.
2: Oh, good. That's right. And um, I want to thank my nephew, Doran Roberts-Kettis, who wrote my theme song, and my wonderful executive producer, John Missel, who you know. Don't forget to go to PRinsider.biz and sign up for our weekly reminders. This is your host, Maureen Kedis, and uh, thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next week.
1: Thanks again for listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by Cision, helping communications experts navigate the sea of social media. Visit them on the web at us.cision.com. And make sure you join us again next Friday at noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Have a great week.